The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, or on you, talking to Mary, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so that the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. That is our series scripture. It takes the Holy Spirit to actually bring a promise to pass. Our scripture for today and this message, the title of the message is The Mess. Say that with me. The Mess. Anybody got any mess in their life? Anybody just came out of a mess? Did anybody travel over Thanksgiving and get in a mess? We all deal with mess. Scripture, Luke chapter 1, verse 37 and 38. And this is Mary speaking. She said, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. You know, life sometimes can get messy. It's just a mess. The family can be in a mess. Our finances, our jobs, our businesses, life in general, the world, what we're going through, our mind, it is just a mess. Sometimes life can be messy and life can get untidy and dirty. Life can get confusing. In fact, the word mess means dirty or untidy, uh, untidy state of things. It's a state of confusion or a place of full place full of difficulties. And life has its challenges. We, we've all seen the challenges that we have in life. And when I come to think about people and how I relate to people and counseling people over the years, I've come to discover that many people in their lives can keep one part of their lives organized or several parts of their lives looking real good, but everybody has a part of their lives that gets real messy at times. It's just a mess. And oftentimes we don't show the people the messy side of our lives. We show them the side that is organized, that is well put together. We show them the highlight reel. And if you're on social media like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, the only part of people's lives that you really see is the highlight reel of their lives, the very good part of their lives. So the next time you're on social media and you want somebody else's life, just realize that they're just having a good day that day. That's their highlight reel. That is the best that you see of their lives. Last February, this past February, we moved into a, a new house. And before we moved in, we had some renovations. I actually went in and painted the house along with a, several of my children. We painted the house and we moved in and we moved in in a rush and we got everything together. And if you were to come into my home, you would like to say, man, that's a pretty home. Your furniture, you know, just a, a beautiful view. It's just a nice home. And I'll let you into our living room, our kitchen. I'll let you into the bathrooms. But there are some rooms I won't let you in, like my kids' rooms. Because oftentimes they can be untidy. They can be a mess. Recently we had a guest in our home and... Uh, we were putting some food in the refrigerator and there was no room in the refrigerator in the kitchen. And we have two refrigerators because my kids eat a lot. They eat a lot. Anybody have kids that eat a lot online or in the building? Yeah, they eat a lot. They just, they just, they just think they're hungry all the time. And uh, 
And so we had guests in our home, and they brought some food, and it wouldn't fit in the kitchen refrigerator. So my daughter said, well, let's go to the garage and put it into the refrigerator that's in the garage. And I heard my wife in the distance, no, don't let them in the garage. Why? Why wouldn't we want somebody to go into the garage? Because it looked like an atomic bomb went off in the garage. Every part of the house has been painted and decorated and it's tidy and it's neat and it's beautiful. But that garage, that garage has been sitting that way for nine months. It stinks like my son's shoes. There's boxes full of everything. I've got about 800 books and boxes looking for a room to put those in. I have fishing poles. I have all sorts of gear in the garage. It's stacked way high. It is a mess. And I keep saying to myself, I'm going to do it next week. But how do you know life gets real busy and you never get to next week to do it? But I'm starting to hear in the distance my wife. When are you going to do the garage? It used to be just a faint echo. But it's getting louder. It's getting louder. And every now and then I'll hear her say, we've almost been in this house a year. Let me remind you about the garage. Has God ever done that in your life about the messy parts of your life? We want to talk to God about all the neat areas and all the areas that are working in our lives. But God said, what about that? Why do you, why do you keep ignoring me? I, I'm trying to talk to you about this, but you want to talk about your job. I'm trying to talk about this, but you want to talk about, you know, your home. I'm trying to talk about this, but you want to talk about your good friends. But I, I'm trying to talk to you about your bad friends. I'm trying to talk to you about your temper and your attitude, but you want to talk to me about, you know, your car, how you like it, how you, how you love your job, but this is what I want to touch. See, we often bring God to the neat areas of our lives. David said this, see if there be any wicked way in me, O Lord. The secret compartments of our lives, because we are good at compartmentalizing, especially men. Got any men in the house? We've got all ours compartmentalized. We got our job. We got our our, our wives. We got our children. We we got our future, our past, and we put all those in different compartments, and we know how to deal with them separately. But it confuses us when they all collide. It gets confusing, and as we look at the Christmas story, often. We look at the Christmas story as something being very pristine, being very uh, uh, clean, uh, being very uh, non-judgmental, no germs. It's been sanitized in our mind. But do you know the Christmas story is messy? When you begin to look at what happened at Christmas, the first Christmas, you begin to realize that that it was very messy. Things were out of place. Things seemed confusion. There was fear that surrounded the event. There was uh, uh, people traveling here and there. Joseph and Mary had to travel. She was nine months pregnant. And she was riding a donkey. She was not in a Tesla. It was bumpy. 
It was rough. She was about to give birth and all these events that surround Christmas was very messy. But here's the thing about the messiness of Christmas is that God didn't pull away from the mess. He came into the middle of the mess. And Mary, when the angel came to her, she said, how will this be? You know what the angel said? The Holy Spirit will overshadow you. In other words, the Holy Spirit will take your mess and bring some sense into the mess. It will bring some order into the chaos. It's just like in Genesis chapter 1, verses 1, 2, and 3. The Bible says the earth was formless and void, and darkness filled the earth, but the Holy Spirit hovered over the earth. And when the Holy Spirit began to hover, light came into darkness. What was chaotic came into peace and unity. Why? Because the Holy Spirit job is to bring unity into your life and bring clarity into your life because he is the light and to bring order where there is chaos. But here's the deal. We will never open up the garage door and let the Holy Spirit in the mess. Amen. Preach it. Anybody online ready to say amen? But when you begin to look at Mary, Mary was confused. She was distraught. But she embraced the spirit of Christmas. Now, oftentimes we think the spirit of Christmas is generosity. And I love giving gifts and I love getting gifts. I, I believe in generosity. But when you begin to really study the first Christmas, generosity was not the spirit of Christmas. The Holy Spirit was the spirit of Christmas. The Holy Spirit... Throughout that picture was at work. From the angel Gabriel showing up. From the angel telling Mary that the Holy Spirit would overshadow you. and There would be a, a divine conception in your womb. And Joseph would not be a part of that conception. He would just sit on the sideline because God was up to big things. Even the Holy Spirit... Helping put the star in the universe for the wise men to follow all the way to Bethlehem. From the angelic host singing glory to God on high. The Holy Spirit was involved in the first Christmas because the spirit of Christmas is the Holy Spirit. An angel appeared to Mary and the angel was sent from God to Mary as a messenger. It was a messenger. Now, when you look at the Bible, the Bible is full of angelic beings where angels would just appear and show up. There are, in the Bible, angels are mentioned over 300 times. Jesus talked about angels more than any other character in the Bible. And so angels fill the space and the covers and the pages of the Bible. You begin to think about angels. John Calvin once said, angels are dispensers of divine blessings toward us. Hebrews, the Hebrew writer said, they're ministering spirits for the heirs of salvation. Do you know angels work on your behalf? But sometimes we get a misconception of angels because we watch movies like Angels in the Outfield. Touched by an angel. <laughs> Highway to Heaven, Michael Landon. And we watch all these movies that are produced by Hollywood, but yet they're not biblically accurate. 
Can I just tell you today, when you die, you will not get wings. You will not become an angel when you die. You will become just a brand new you. You'll look better, act better, think better, walk better, speak better, look better. You won't have these. You'll have a new body. But you will not be an angel. No man wants to go to heaven. No, no, no man like, I'm talking about manly man, wants to go to heaven and float around with a harp for two billion years. Any man want to do that in here? No, no, no. Men are builders. They're, they're hunters. They're scavengers. They want to do something manly. You know, they, they want to hunt it down. I believe in heaven, you're going to have job descriptions. Yeah, you're going to be laying on a cloud, singing. Heaven will be a lot like earth. In fact, you will come back here one day and rule and reign with Christ. Let me tell you something. When you die, you will not become an angel. You will not get wings. The Bible does not teach us that. Angels are created beings. They were created by God. Angels are not humans. Angels do not marry or procreate. Angels are innumerable. There are so many angels, you can't count them. Angels are invisible unless they manifest themselves. And that's what happened to Mary. Gabriel just showed up and wowed her. And she became afraid. Angels are invincible. They're powerful beings. Powerful beings. And we will not become angels. But a messenger in the story shows up an angel and he says, Greetings. You who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Here's the deal about this story. Mary's name is the Old Testament name Miriam, Moses' sister, which means exalted one. Mary's name means exalted one. But here's the problem. We've exalted Mary so high that many of us see her as Jesus. And she's not. Mary worshiped Jesus. But when you think about Mary being exalted, when you see the angel come in, he says, you're highly favored, Mary. You're blessed, and the Lord is with you. But the deal about that angel saying this right here. If you're not careful, you will exalt Mary to the point and you'll begin to say Mary was favored, she was blessed, and God was with her. But did you know the New Testament says that about you? That you're favored. Ephesians 1 says you're highly favored. You're the favored of God. You're in Christ Jesus if you're a believer. It also says that Jesus said in Matthew 28, 20, the Lord would never leave you or forsake you. He would be with you to the end of the age. So just as God favored Mary, and just as God was with Mary, God favors us, and He's with us. And not only that, we're blessed according to Ephesians 1, 6, 1, 3, amen. We are a blessed people. That God has blessed us. Don't ever exalt Mary and say, no, I can't be like her. The Bible says you're just like her. You're blessed. Say, I'm blessed. Say I'm favored. And say God is with me. That's the same thing the angel told Mary. And we walk in that today because we're children of God. So there was a messenger that came. 
And that messenger gave her three statements. You're favored, you're blessed, God is with you. But that angel, that messenger, had a message. Say message. The message was the original instant messenger. It wasn't a text message. It wasn't private messenger on Instagram. But it was a message that came to Mary. It was a unique message. It was a message of this. Verse 30 and 31 says, But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus. Jesus. That angel brought her a word. And look what Mary said. For no word from God will ever fail. No word from God will ever fail. When you get a word from God, you can take it to the bank. over his word to perform it. If it's a prophetic word that you've gotten over your life or if it's the written word, the Logos word that you read that became a rhema and light or illuminated word by the Holy Spirit you sense that's for you, guess what God's doing? He's watching over the word to bring it to pass. The deal about Mary, she became afraid because she saw the messenger and she heard the message. But then she reiterated this. God's word will always come to pass because no word from God will ever fail. Here's the deal. God watches over his word, but are you watching over your words? God can give you a word, but then you can turn around and talk yourself out of the word. Solomon said, life and death is in the power of the tongue. So I've got, this, I've got to watch what I say. Mary came into divine alignment with the word of God. She said, may it be to me according to your word. God, I don't understand it. I just believe Mary was probably confused. She didn't fully understand or grasp what was happening to her. The only thing that she could do was do this. Lord, be it unto me according to your word. When we think about this virgin birth, this supernatural event that happened in Mary's life, we live in a culture that actually laughs and scoffs at the virgin birth. Liberal theologians mock it and laugh at it. Secularists laugh at it. And they bark at it. And they hound over it. Back in February, we did something I thought I would never do. We bought a dog. <laughs> now, I had dogs growing up, and, but they were not your inside dogs. These were the dogs that weather couldn't kill. <laughs> Cars couldn't kill them. Eating rat poison couldn't kill them. They were all mixed up. I mean, no, you can't kill a mixed breed. But you get you a, you get you a nice dog that's full-blooded, costs a lot of money, just a little bit of wind, give them a cold. You got to watch them. You got to take them to the vet. Just 
not quite. My dogs growing up, you know, you eat and you just throw the scraps to them, and they thought they were sitting at Outback Steakhouse. They, they just lived forever. They're just rough and tumble dogs. They, they were just strong. I mean, never wanted a sissy dog. One thing I've learned in life 
messenger. You might have a message. But sometimes it's the messenger and the me message that creates the mess. God will give you a word and things get chaotic. I remember God gave Tangent and I a word to come to Virginia Beach Star Bridge Church in 1998. January 1, 1998, we rolled up into Virginia Beach with a U-Haul half full. We were poor. One car. Paul. Few bucks. Paul. But we had a word. Yes. We rolled up and we unpacked an apartment. And then we began to tell people. And we met 10 days later, the first time we would meet in a home with a group of people of about 16 people. I went back home to preach in a church, raising funds for this church plant. That night, I was with my dad. He went into cardiac arrest. And I watched him die in, in front of me. How many of you know sometimes your message and sometimes the messenger creates your mess? Several days later, I preached his funeral, helped my mom out a few days, headed back to Virginia Beach. When halfway back, I got another call. It was my mom. Son, your grandmother just passed away. Can you turn around and come back? It was just days earlier, I was with my grandmother and she was sweeping her house. My grandmother was clean. If you had one germ on you, you had one too many. She was the kind of lady that loved cooking and she wouldn't let you in her kitchen. She said, no, no, you can't get in my kitchen. I'll open the refrigerator. I'll get you. What do you want to eat, son? She was just that kind of lady. Lady, she was a germaphobe. And so I walked into her house and she was sweeping and she looked at me after my dad's funeral. She said, son, when I pass away, will you preach my funeral? I said, yeah, grandma. I'm thinking, yeah, that was several years in the future, 10 years or so. Didn't know that it would happen just days later. What happened? What happened? God gave us a message. But he never promised that the message would, be, would not be without a mess. Just because you get saved doesn't mean your life's going to be pristine. Sometimes life is messy. And God working on us and cleansing us, what we call sanctification, the purity of our life, the holiness of our lives, takes time. And God has to work through the mess so he can turn the mess into a message. But here's the problem. Oftentimes, we quit on God. God never quits on us. We quit on God because it gets difficult. God wants to deal with the areas of our lives, the broken areas, the shattered, the, the shattered areas, the, the areas that are inconsistent, the areas that are plagued by besetting sins, the areas that are plagued by things that are generational patterns. And God says, I want to deal with that, but you're always talking about that. I don't want to talk about that today. See, Mary was in a mess. She got a word. And that word created suspicion in her relationship with Joseph. Can you imagine Mary coming to Joseph and saying, you know, Joe, I'm pregnant. <laughs> it ain't me, Mary. I know Joe. I met an angel. What? <laughs> angel? Come on, we, we read this story from hindsight. Get into the moment. 
conceive and give birth to a child, and you would call him Jesus. And he said it would happen because the Holy Spirit, the Holy who? The Holy Spirit. What? It created suspicion in Joseph's mind. In fact, I believe he wanted to divorce her. Now, in Jewish custom, there are three parts to any marriage. First, you have the, the engagement, then you have the, their betrothed to each other. After they get betrothed, it's actually a legal binding agreement. And the only way to get out of that is divorce. But the wedding happens a year after they're betrothed to each other. And so they were betrothed, and Joseph could have got out of that, but Joseph decided to stay with Mary and, and be quiet about it and not publicly shame her. But I just believe as, as Mary would get off and go into the city, people were pointing fingers, people were talking, people were probably criticizing her, and eventually she begins to show. Three, four, five months into the thing, and people say, she's either gaining weight or she cheated. I don't think she ever realized that the message she received was going to create all that mess. Family probably looked at her and mocked her. People laughed at her. Although she said she saw an angel. She said she's pregnant. We all know the truth. Joseph slipped up. Or she went outside her covenant with Joe. But it was a it was a mess. It was crazy. And she had to, during that mess, embrace four things. Number one, she had to embrace the Word of God. She had to embrace the Word of God. Folks, when God is processing our lives and He wants to birth Christ in us, oftentimes... We have to embrace the Word of God. We have to take the Word of God. I know in America we sell billions of dollars of self-help books. Some of those books are pretty good. But I can tell you what, they're not better than the Bible. They're not better than Holy Scripture. They're not more powerful than the Word of God. Hebrews 4.12 says that the Word of God is living, active, operative, energizing, effective, sharpening into a sword. The Word of God works. She had to embrace the Word of God. She had to take it in. Number two, she had to embrace the favor of God. She had to embrace that. That she was chosen by God and people would misunderstand her. But the favor of God would be with her. Number three, she had to embrace the power of God. If there's going to be transformation in us this Christmas and Advent, last Sunday we, we started Advent. Advent means coming, the coming of Jesus. If we're going to embrace Jesus coming into our lives, we've got to embrace the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit coming to Mary and overshadowing her. We've got to be open to embrace the work of the Spirit in our lives. It's not just enough to come hear a message. God wants to make you the message. And in the creation of that message of your life, you must embrace the word of God. You must embrace the favor of God. You must embrace the power of God. That God is working in me by the power of his Holy Spirit. Just as he was in the first Christmas, he's in the Christmases of
supernatural things happen during this time. Then, number four, you've got to embrace the people of God. Most of us are good at the first three, but we don't like people. We don't like people because people are messy. He had 12, 
He had three. He had one. They loved, but he died alone. Jesus had levels of relationships. You can tell the three something that you can't tell the 500. You have to have your trusted mentors and friends in your life. And Mary, she ran to Elizabeth and said, hey, that's who I can trust. We're in this walk together. And I believe they encouraged each other's faith. Say, Pastor, what, am I, what are you telling me this, this season of Advent, this season of Christmas, I'm to embrace the Word of God, the favor of God, the power of God, the people of God. Embrace what God wants to do in your life. One thing that COVID has taught us is that the things that we thought were important probably not important. Probably not important. The things that I thought I needed, I realized I didn't need all that stuff. I mean, COVID has been a time of pruning. God pruning us. Some of it, it really helped your budget. Stop going out to eat as much. This is pruning. I just believe Bridge Church, I believe the church worldwide is coming into a, a ridiculous time. That we can just rest in God and embrace. I just heard the Holy Spirit say, some of you need to embrace the mystery. Set you free today. You don't have to know it all. 
this one thing I do know. God's faithful. God is faithful. Can we bow our heads?